Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Hanson and Oasis weren't the only bands featuring brothers that were burning up the charts in the 90s. In 1995, Soul For Real had a dream of candy-coated raindrops, and with the help of a team of eight songwriters, they made this dream a reality. Unfortunately, their time at the top was short-lived, and they fell off the charts rather quickly. This week, I did something pretty shocking. I chose a song that producer Matt Kelly had never heard. Apparently, he was living in a cave in 1995, most likely to avoid getting all sticky from that sugary precipitation. Join us for today's episode, in which we discuss Soul For Real and their massive hit, Candy Rain. So Chris, you did something that is kind of hard to do, which is that you picked a song that I was not familiar with. Wow. Yeah. But I think part of that is that you've been very open to the fact that like before your love of punk and ska music, you were an R&B kid to your core. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this because this came out in 1995. This was when I first discovered that music existed outside of like my parents' radio. I pretty much was like all alternative radio 
and occasionally like a song might break through because of MTV, but I think I just I missed the window and I I don't think that this song pops up as much as a lot of other R&B tracks from that time period will pop up in like the public conscience. You just didn't have enough soul. You weren't smooth enough for this song, man. I can't no. believe you weren't dreaming of candy coated raindrops like I did. I didn't. I've dreamt of chocolate rain in college. <laughs> that was way later. I know that this is usually something we do closer to the end, but I, I want to look at like what was going on. <laughs> In 1995. How about you tell me what was happening in 95? Let me tell you. First of all, yeah, I grew up loving Boys to Men, New Edition, Belle Bib DeVoe, that whole family, another bad creation. That was my shit, no doubt. But by 94, 95, when this was out, I was into punk rock. I mean, we're talking 95. I'm listening to And Out Come the Wolves. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm kind of out of this world, yet this song permeated through that because this chorus is so good it's really surprising to me that you don't know and love this song this song i feel like has not left my head for the past 25 years this song has been playing on repeat i mean i could be walking to the kitchen to get a snack or i could be in the shower pops in my head and i'm singing it if i'm by myself i am singing this chorus for decades now and i I don't know what it is about this song, that melody, and it's just a perfect, it's like a pop, it's like a perfect pop masterpiece lyric. It's awesome. It's amazing. But, you know, before we get into the song here, I do want to talk a little bit about, I'm really surprised that Skittles didn't co-opt this song and, and license this song. It's, it's so perfect for Skittles. I mean, taste the rainbow. You know, yeah, yeah, and and they're very weird avant-garde commercials. I feel like they could have yeah used this song. I think they missed out on op an opportunity. And from what I've read in interviews I've watched with Soul for Real, maybe they wouldn't want that because I don't think they're getting any publishing from this. I think it's a bad situation because you know straight from the music video of this song that Heavy D is who kind of discovered the band in a way and I believe helped them get signed and was kind of like in charge of their career. And it doesn't sound like it ended very well. Heavy D has now passed, but I watched an, in an interview from a few years ago of Soul For Real on The Breakfast Club, and it kind of sounds like there was some animosity. They tried to be respectful because he has passed, but it doesn't sound like there was it was a very good situation there. I would, I mean, I don't want to say I defend Heavy D because I don't really know Heavy D, but in the grand scheme of things, this song also had eight writers. So I feel like whatever money it was making was probably having to be split amongst eight writers, a producer, and four people in a band. So like... Sure, sure. And, you know, I saw them asked on The Breakfast Club, like, when you recorded this song, did you know that this was a hit? Did you know this was a single? And they were kind of like... No. Yeah. And they were like, but the label was like, this is the hit. And I believe the label was right because I got to say, I listened to this album from front to back while I was on the treadmill today. And this is by far the standout track. Now, the second track on the album was also a single, Every Little Thing I Do, which 
I kind of remember that song. I was going to say, is this a Cisco situation where it was like any traction that that had was probably riding the wave of Candy Rain more than being like a song that people actually liked and remembered? Yeah, I I think that was probably the situation. It was a song that they, the band, which by the way, they were four brothers. Yeah. They were all brothers and not just saying that they were, they were actual brothers, same parents. It's pretty cool. I'm an only child. I would have loved to have had a R&B singing group with my brothers in yeah. the mid 90s. That would have been awesome. But they felt like the song was too bubblegum. It for sure is. That's <laughs> the charm of it. it. It's about as new addition as you can get, you know, but I got to say these guys can sing, man. Even I just watched a video of them from last year backstage before some performance singing this song acapella. They sound great, man. They sound amazing. They sound perfect. Like they're the real deal. They were singing on the street. You know, that it's the the story. They were like, you know, barbershop quartet style singing and sounding amazing. So there was real talent in this group. I was thinking about this as I was listening to their catalog. And I've never been an R&B person. It's like one of those genres that's always been a hard one for me to get into. I think the reason is... Especially from, because I consider R&B, I know R&B's kind of existed since Motown, but like when I think of R&B, I very much think of like 90s music is like what popped, like late 80s into the 90s is like to me like what I'm thinking of when I say R&B. And I think that outside of maybe one or two groups, there wasn't a lot of R&B bands that I could like really sink my teeth into for more than a single or two. You know what I mean? Like... Like I was thinking about like Too Close by Next. Fucking great song, but not good enough for me to be like, man, I want to dig into the catalog of Next. You know what I mean? Or like All My Life by Casey and JoJo or Back to One and Anything by Brian McKnight. Like there were these artists that had like one or two songs that I loved, but like even with Soul For Real, like while I had it on in the background, I couldn't tell you where one song ended and the next song began. Well, Matt, <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you, first of all, we weren't the target demographic no, for this. No, <laughs> That being said, I still loved it. And I think part of it was like going to the roller skating rink in the early 90s. And this was what was playing. I have a lot of great memories attached to this style of music you know having a crush on some girl in class and then you hear this song on the radio and you hear it at the skating rink and it just it evokes a lot of good emotion and i've always been a fan of melody and great singing and to defend the genre a little bit this soul for real album is not that great i will say there i will say that the album I think Candy Rain is amazing. I think the Every Little Thing I Do song is okay. And I think the rest of the album is kind of very generic. It is not at the level of like, you listen to some of those old new edition albums where it's like every song, whether it's over the top bubblegum or not, you know, they had their, they started out as little kids almost. And they kind of grew into their sound and became a little more adult as they moved on and a lot more sexual yeah. <laughs> as they got older, as a lot of the singing groups seem to do. They come out as like young kids. I mean, in Candy Rain, Jace, the lead singer, Jace for real, he's 13 in the music video. And, you know, so of course he's singing about candy. So here's the thing that was jumping into my head also when I was doing research on this is 
that maybe I also don't know what RMB is or Billboard doesn't know what RMB is. So I I pulled up a list of all of the songs that were the number one song on the R&B charts in 1995. And in my mind, at least half of these, I would never classify as R&B music. So I'm going to read them to you and you tell me if you would say that this is an R&B song or not. Okay. So it started, the year started with TLC Creep. Yes. Yes, I agree. Then it was Brandy Baby. Uh, I don't really know that song, but I definitely consider her an R&B artist. I would agree with that, too. Here's where I think it gets a little muddy for me for a bit. Montel Jordan, This Is How We Do It. Well, a lot of this, like, pop R&B. Now, there's a big difference between, like, you know, the very gritty, real R&B that you're going to go out to a smoky club and see. You know, there's a big difference between that and pop R&B. I think a lot of what you're going to name here is pop R&B. This is how we do it. It's very much a crossover of dance. Yeah. It's a very it's a very dance song, but I see why it would be on the R&B charts, I suppose. It got an R&B flavor to it. We're sure. getting a little bit more questionable with the next one in my mind. Method Man featuring Mary J. Blige with I'll Be There For You, You're All I Need To Get By. I think that Mary J. Blige would be an R&B artist, but that song is a rap song that just has an R&B artist singing the chorus. Sure. <laughs> like, Mary J. Blige is one of the definitive R&B yes. artists of my lifetime. And I'm excited to see her perform on the Super Bowl this year. I'm but, stoked. Uh, I'm stoked. It's a good Super it's Bowl It's a great lineup. lineup. I know. Wow. It, I saw that. And like, of course, you're going to read the comments. You're going to see the <laughs> shittiest things ever. And I got to say, man, like, I'm not an Eminem fan, but you know he's going to do Lose Yourself. Yeah. And then I'm going to lose myself while it's happening. Yeah. And <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, who for my money is the greatest rapper of all time, I, I really do think that and Dre and Snoop and Mary J Blige. I mean, that's amazing. And I know they're going to do California love. Yeah. We're, 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 we're holding on for that Tupac hologram to happen because <laughs> the Super Bowl is actually in Inglewood. Yeah. Inglewood always up to no good. Just like they say in California love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll rock it through these next ones. So, so we got Monica. Don't, don't take it personal. Absolutely. I would consider that R and B Monica's yeah. fine. Notorious B I G one more chance. That's a rap song to me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this, this is where we start to get into like, I feel like this is just straight pop music. All right. Yes. Shaggy boombastic. Not R and B. Not never <laughs> consider that R and B. That feels like someone making the charts went, is he black? Uh, yeah. Well, he put him in the R&B chart. Yeah. That sounds like one of those like... 100%. No, that's not, that, that's not R&B. Then it gets even more ridiculous to me because Michael Jackson, You Are Not Alone, which is just, to me, a yeah. straight up pop song. And then Mariah Carey, yeah. Fantasy, another just straight up pop song. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's then not, then that's we get not a little R&B. bit more R&B, uh, Escape, Who Can I Run To, arguably my favorite song by this horrible, horrible man because it's such a stupid song. R. Kelly, you remind me of something, which has the infamous line, you remind me of my Jeep, which, which the <laughs> fact that someone wrote that song and it went to number one, whatever. I mean, R. <laughs> Kelly being one of the worst people of all time is especially disappointing because of so many jams that were so over the top ridiculous. Oh, Ignition. Sex weed. <laughs> you know, the, what's the, the, the dolphin song? Yeah. The, I mean, <laughs> just... He just got the most... I mean, trapped in the closet, of course. I mean, I really wish he would have been a good human being. 
Yeah. Because he's almost like a parody of an R&B artist, <laughs> though, with some of yeah. the songs that he was writing. And then final, the, the one to wrap it up for the year, Whitney Houston, Exhale, Shoop Shoop from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Absolutely an R&B song. Not even going to argue. But there's that middle part. When it got to the summertime, they, they just threw it out the window because I would never in a million years, and I love the song Fantasy by Mariah Carey, that song, it doesn't have an R&B bone in it. Right. And dude, I mean, this is 1995 and I feel like, I don't know the specifics of this, but I feel like I've seen it on a lot of music documentaries where black artists will talk about how, how they had these certain charts that they would get lumped. I saw, I think on the boys to men yeah. uh, thing on, I, I saw them talking about that is, oh, you get put on these charts, you know? And it was like unfair practices in a way, you know, like for sure it's, you're just lumping the black artists. You know, they talk about how they had, and I don't know if this still exists, but they talk about how they had like urban charts. Yes. Like, and you see the black artists being like, what do you mean by urban? Yeah. Exactly. Why is that a thing? Exactly. Um, and this was right around then, I think, because the year, the year on billboard was actually bookended by boys to men on the number one spot, but I'm pretty sure they were the last two big singles for them. January of 1995, the number one song in America was Boys to Men on Bend It Knee. And oh, so good. And December 1995, the number one song was Mariah Carey featuring the Boys to Men with One Sweet Day. <laughs> uh, I'm not making fun of you. I actually love that you called him Mariah, <laughs> Mariah Carey featuring the Boys to Men. <laughs> the Boys to Men. <laughs> the Boys to Men. Before we talk about this song a little bit more, Matt, do you think you would like candy coated raindrops just as like a concept? Would you go out with your mouth open? Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm not even that much of a sweet tooth person, but like, really, like here's the thing. Okay, so here's the question: Is this a a once in a lifetime moment, or like just we've become accustomed to the fact that every time it rains, it's candy coated raindrops? I mean, the question is, do you ever dream of them? But I gotta, I gotta say, we when we're recording this, we are post Halloween, and so there's a lot of candy around, and on top of that. My good friend Johnny decided to do a no candy November. So last time I was at his house, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you all this candy. <laughs> and I don't normally keep that much candy. Minus, I like Kinder Buenos. If anyone has never had a Kinder Bueno bar, I highly suggest it. Very light, airy, hazelnut, chocolate, delicious, amazing candy bar. But I don't keep a lot of candy here. But now I got all this candy, including, which I posted a picture of, on Facebook and got a lot of strong opinions about those little flying saucers, which are basically like tasteless styrofoamish outside. And then the inside is kind of like small nerds. I'd never even seen those before. Never. I had oh. never seen those in my life when you post that picture. So I have no hot take. Yeah. I'll keep some for you. They're like <laughs> classic candy. I've never actually tasted this before. I'm pretty sure that you probably have Matt, but a lot of people compare them to, communion wafers with candy on the inside Ooh, that's not good <laughs> no i'll, I'll tell you what's made it's... communion wafers even worse in my experience that? is like communion wafers already out the gate were kind of styrofoamy but like having to work every sunday at a church during a pandemic for safety regulations they would come in on Saturday and they would get a little cup and fill it with the grape juice or whatever that they were using for wine and then put the wafer on top of it and tie it in a Ziploc baggie. A communion wafer that has just been sitting in a hot plastic bag is disgusting. I always pictured they tasted like a cracker, but I nope. guess I'm wrong about that. 
Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey guys, it's Matt. Just interrupting the episode real fast to say, hey, do you like coffee? I know Chris and I do. So if you're a fan of coffee, how about you head over to rootlesscoffee.com, which you may remember is run by past guest Jono, and get yourself a bag of some coffee grinds. If you use the promo code O-H-T, all caps, 10, you will get 10% off your purchase and a little bit of that money will come back to Chris and I. So it's a great way to help support the show and get a great cup of coffee. And now back to the episode. Okay. But anyway, when it comes to this song and it comes to candy, uh, I got to say I'm on candy right now. Okay. I definitely ate a I definitely ate a lot of candy before this episode <laughs> because I've been, I, I like I said, I was on the treadmill and you're running listening off the candy. To this album. Yeah. I, I, dude, all I do now, Johnny gave me all this candy. So all I do is <laughs> I run like five miles a day just to burn off the candy every day. <laughs> but this song, great chorus. But then the verses, as I saw Soul For Real say, they said the song's really bubblegum. But if you look past the chorus and you look deeper into it, it, it is like an actually like a meaningful, good song. And I'll agree. You look at the verse. Have you ever loved someone so much you thought you'd die. Who hasn't is yeah. what I ask. You know, giving so much of yourself, it seems the only way. Tell me what you want and I, and I will give it to you because you are my love. Yeah. Did you ever dream that it could be so right? You know, like very relatable. I don't know why it took eight people to write this. <laughs> that's that's a real question because it does seem pretty um, basic in a way as far as the concept and the lyrics, but- Hey, there's more to basic lyrics than meets the eye. So I'm sure some guy came up with the name Candy Rain, and then someone was like, what about Candy Coated Raindrops? And then someone else wrote sure. the chorus, and then they couldn't figure out a verse, and then brought in someone to write one of the verses, but he couldn't figure out what the second verse should be. And then someone else stepped, like, it's like, I'm sure that yeah. it was just this Frankenstein of ideas, and everyone who had an idea claimed ownership of the song until there was right. eight writers being attributed to this damn thing. Yeah, I'm sure that Heavy D and whoever at the the record label that he got him signed to, they, they wanted to make this a hit. They brought in everyone they could. They really wanted to put their best foot forward. You got these, you got these kids. They can sing. They can dance. They got the look. Now we just need that hit, you know, because. Soul for Real did write their own songs too. A lot of a lot of their songs they wrote. 
And I didn't look to the all the credits on the song, but maybe the fact that I thought the rest of the album was kind of average was maybe because of that. Maybe they weren't developed as songwriters yet. It could be a five situation, remember? Yeah, so that could be the deal here. But we're just guessing. I'm I'm going purely off of this song. It made its way through. Like, once again, yeah, I was listening to the, the R&B that I liked as a kid when I was a kid. But I'm, you know, this song's out. I'm 14, 15 years old now. Yeah. And I'm... I'm playing music. I like punk music. I hate the radio. I but I love this song and I still love this song and I I got to give it credit for that. You look at what else was going on at this time. This song peaked at number 2 behind Madonna's Take a Bow. Yeah. Which I think this song's way better than Take a Bow. I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> also on the chart was TLC Red Light Special. Great song, so sexual. Notorious BIG Big Papa. Great song. Cheryl Crow Strong Enough. Eh. And Desiree, you gotta be, which I'm surprised we haven't done. A one I was going to say, that's a big old stay tuned. I think that, yeah. <laughs> that's got to come up eventually. So it's 1995. You're into punk music. So I have to ask, you said that you liked Candy Rain out the gate. Were you broadcasting that information or was that very much like Chris was the person who knew that Chris liked the song Candy Rain? <laughs> I'm sure that it was probably a guilty pleasure at the time because I don't think I was secure in myself enough at that time to openly admit I like something that wasn't punk. I don't think I was even secure enough to not be wearing a band t-shirt at all time to let the world <laughs> know that like, this is who I am. This is my identity. I like punk music. Like I couldn't just wear like a blank t-shirt for the day because people might not know that I like punk music <laughs> did you, you know like I, I don't think that like now i'm secure enough that like i can wear a t-shirt without anything on it but i needed to let the whole world know just being honest here i have stacks of horror movie related shirts that i almost never wear except for when i'm going to a horror convention because i'm like oop gotta fit in i'd rather show up rocking like a cardi b shirt you know what i mean <laughs> and just being like yo man i love cardi b fuck all y'all but uh i, I just don't I, I, I second guess myself every time. You know, I never feel like I had a time in my life where I wanted to fit in, but just as bad as wanting to fit in, I've always wanted to not fit in to yes. like be the, I mean, it's the same sort of thing, but I got to tell you, Matt, even to this day, I'm comfortable in my own skin at this point. I'm an adult, you know, but I'll tell you the place that I'm not comfortable in life. And this could happen quite often is when I'm in a situation around people that don't know me or anything about me. And I have to try to explain to them what I do. Yeah. Like somebody said, like, so what do you do? And I have to explain to them that, for the past, whatever, for my entire life, basically, my entire adult life, I have been, you know, Punchline is a defining thing about me, my band that I've, like, dedicated a huge chunk of my life to. But how do I explain to this person that, like, well, I'm in this band, and we're not, like, a big band, but we do have, like... A following and like people do like us and i've also used that to branch into like a lot of other creative pursuits how do you explain this in like a humble way but also explain to them that like 
people like my like I'm the but, but I'm not playing in a band down at like the bar in front of five people either. That's where I get most uncomfortable. Is, I is what I think I'm getting at. I think I get what you're saying, even from like a podcast perspective, because like I think people's perspective when it's like, so what do you do for work? And I'm like, oh, I I, I my full time career right now is podcasting. I feel like their thought process is sometimes like, ooh, he does podcasting full time. He must be like this dude on YouTube that's making a ton of money. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not one of them either. I'm, I'm just making enough to pay the bills right now level of podcast. Hey, it's hard. It's hard being a creative person, you know, whether people think what you create is good or bad, dude. I mean, regardless of if the person listening to this, if they made it this far, they probably think that we're at least okay yeah. <laughs> at what we do. We're, but we are creative in the fact that we create things. Well, and I think I've said this to you. I've said this to Jonathan from Geekscape. I know I've said it to Scott from Horror Movie Night. Like, There is a part of me that's like, man, I wish that I didn't have a creative brain. That I was like, that I could be content just like showing up, working a job that pays well, and just living a normal life. Sometimes you want to just not be creative for a little bit, and your brain just doesn't allow yep. you that freedom to just Dude, I gotta like tell you. not work. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for years when Punchline wasn't touring or whatever. At times, you know, if we had if we got a tour, then I was lucky because it was my dad's business. It was I worked at a scrapyard, and it was a family business, and. It was good exercise, worked with my dad, my grandfather, kind of hated the fact that I had to deal with the public. Yeah. <laughs> but point being, got there at 7.30, was done working by four. And all in all, it wasn't terrible. But what, like what you're saying, all day long, I would think to myself, like, I should be like, do it. I should be writing a song right now. I should be doing something to try to, pursue my <laughs> dreams and my goals and stuff like that the whole time the I, whole time but 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 i but i got a steady paycheck and that was nice and you missed that grass is always greener i guess i don't know how we got off on this crazy it's, tangent. you know what i uh, i want to address one more thing and then we'll do what we normally do we have to address the elephant in the room of what happened to brian and why brian is no longer a member of soul for real i think it's the amount of counts that were put against him on this. You did a little bit more research on this mm -hmm. to, to give me the full details, but basically 145 counts of mortgage, mortgage fraud. fraud. Yes. Okay, so I watch. Now, here's the thing. I think that Brian might be back as part of the group now. Okay. And, and because the Breakfast Club interview that I watched was from 2019, and it seemed like he was still part. He was the most talkative of the four. And... He did five years in jail. And from what he said, he didn't get real detailed. He said that a lot of people say it was identity fraud, but he said he got involved. I believe he said, I got involved with some cats and I was making some money. The way he made it sound is like he didn't kind of know what was happening and that he took the fall and he didn't rat out some. He could have brought down other people with him who had families and stuff. But he instead took the rap himself for the entire thing. He believes in that. And, you know, I'm just going based off what he said. You can easily go that, on YouTube and no, look for Soul For Real and watch their, their interview and see what he said. But it sounds like he took the fall, could have took down more people, and 
it's not it wasn't as heinous as identity fraud sounds well and that i mean so that I also makes happened. more that makes more sense because in my brain i'm like i know that the band wasn't like this happened in 2009 this wasn't like they were on top of the charts or whatever but they were still like recording putting out albums touring etc so in my brain i was just like where did you find the time <laughs> to do 145 yeah. counts of anything that wasn't directly tied to you working with the band but if he was taking the fall for everybody else because he wouldn't rat anybody out that makes a lot more sense <laughs> to me that he was right, just kind right. of the fall guy okay i i 110 buy that i've seen firsthand someone who i consider to be a very successful important person in the music industry surrounding himself with a posse that you can tell does not have their best interests in mind <laughs> i can very much see if you are like a teenager and you're having the biggest hit in the world and you just decide to keep the people who were close to you when you were a teenager in your life, sometimes those people might not have the best intentions for you as you're, you know, continuing to to pursue your dreams and they're kind of just hanging on and they will get you pulled into some bad shit. Right. And I don't know what yeah. his situation was, man. And you never know. We're speculating, know, but yeah. yeah, we're speculating a lot. I'm just saying, don't write the guy off maybe based off what he said you know I, yeah. I i don't know the guys now you know they still perform shows sometimes i think they get some n nostalgia stuff i think that they, maybe they're working on some new stuff it sounds like i heard the one guy in the band say that his his kids have music careers now uh he was working on like a comedy show it sounds like they're they all still are having creative pursuits jace who was the lead singer in Candy Rain. I, th I believe he was the youngest of the brothers. I listened to some of his solo stuff. It's pretty cool. He's got a much deeper voice. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a very low voice now, but his stuff was pretty cool. They even released some singles last year. Like they're putting out, yeah. like even Soul For Real themselves have put out a couple singles okay. as recently as 2020. So yeah, they're still going. It's not like they ever. I thought for sure this was going to be one of those bands where it's like they had a big hit on the first album, second album did like I thought this was going to be a five situation where it's like second mm -hmm. and third album didn't do well, record labels weren't interested, so then they just kind of called it quits, but it looks like Soul for Real never fully stopped being an entity even if it was like that they splintered off and did some solo stuff, but still would come together because they're brothers, which is cool. When I decide what we're about to talk about next, that is going to be a factor in my thought process. Here's what I'm going to say, because it's time. It's time to decide whether this is one hit thunder or a one hit blunder. This was a very iffy one. Yeah, of course, I think the, the song is Thunder. This was my choice this week, and I love this song. Like I said, it never leaves my head. I think the Every Little Thing I Do song is okay. I think the rest of that album is not so great. The next album, which is produced by Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Diddy, it performed poorly. It did have one single from it. So that part of their career may have been a bit of a blunder. It sounds like they had a lot of the, the age old story of the record label screwed us over or the blame game. Yeah. Kind of in a way, just another casualty of the music industry sort of sob story, but they kept making music, which some of it sounds pretty cool. They kept on the creative path are still making music. And then I watched 
that video from like last year of them singing a cappella, and they're great. They sound great. Like I would go see them, no doubt about it. I'm gonna have to give them a thunder, but just kind of barely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be the bad guy. I'm gonna give them a blender. None of their other songs really grab my attention. Even Candy Rain, like I enjoy it as a song, but I don't think it's something that will ever go into my regular rotation musically. I legitimately like I'll put it this way. Obviously, we're going to do the same thing that we did last year, where like episode 49 last year, episode 99 this year will be us like going through the past year and and ranking stuff. And if this was something we talked about in January or February, I bet I would legitimately be like, what song was that Um, when we when we got to it? But obviously, we're already on like episode 95. So it'll be pretty fresh in my head when we get there. Such a hater. I know. I'm the worst. I'm the worst person in the world. But yeah, I just was not was not for me. I just, you know, my my apparently my R&B taste pretty much starts and ends with like TLC and Boys to Men. Like that is that is the pinnacle period for me of 90s R&B. Okay. All right. Good enough. Covered in thumbtacks and wearing the legs of an ape costume in the desert at high noon. My head shaved down the middle, got a rat on my shoulder. I try to look forward, but a paper clips on my eyelids. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophelios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Coyotes in B. Arthur off the Punchline remix album, Politefully Dead. Visit punchline.com for more information on future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. Do you want to hear your song at the end of the show or have any interest in sponsoring a future episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast 
called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.